yes, you've been working with a lot of startup. A lot of startups fail. There, uh, there are a lot of challenges, and sometimes right off the bat. So, what do you think? What are your two cents from your experience? Why do startups fail? It's a very, very good question. Uh, I think that this this question deserves a startup on its own, just to be, to put the AI model to try to predict that. Right? Uh, I think that the main things are around people. It's mostly about the people. Because whatever startup, whatever idea that you're going to have is going to meet a roller coaster, and that's cliche. You know, everybody knows that a startup is a roller coaster. But the point is, the holy grail is the product market fit, in which a group of people comes in with an idea uh, or a problem they want to they want to handle or value that that they want to generate, and they need to make it happen. Now, the things that mostly break are between the actual founders or the conviction around the, the idea. Meaning, the difficulties that you have, especially in the beginning, in order to make sure that you could build a product, build a solution, whatever you build, that could actually ring and, and make sure that both entrepreneurs and the investors would have the conviction that this is worth spending your time and money on. Welcome to our series entitled The I Am Podcast, a podcast about innovation, business, and most importantly, people. In this series, we'll be talking to founders, executives, and various experts about their vision, challenges, best practices, and lessons learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the I Am Podcast. I am Raya, your host, and today with me, I'm going to be joined by the owner at Startup Realm, Inan Shield. Hey, Hello. Inan. How are you I'm doing? Fine. How are you? I'm excited because you told me this is your first podcast. So how are you feeling? <laughs> Encouraged. <laughs> Encouraged and must be excited, mm -hmm. right? What did Uri Takoni? Oh, so for our listeners and viewers, I connected with Inan because he is the best friend of Uri Takoni, who's been here. So how how did Uri? I mean, what's his story about the podcast? So first of all, that's a, a pair of shoes I need to step into, right? Uh, he's indeed my best friend, an amazing both entrepreneur and uh, professional uh, in the product domain. So, yeah, quite excited. Yeah, very humble. And so he said, I don't want to be in the limelight. So, but his episode really had like high views. So, I mean, oh, you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So shout out to Uri. And I'm very excited to speak with you. I'm sure we are going to learn a lot, right? So to those who do not, but I think a lot of people know you, Please give us a brief introduction, like the passion, your expertise. Perfect. Thank you. So the way I pronounce or articulate what I do is a serial entrepreneur. Whatever you do, it's stuck with you, the kind of uh, the bug of generating new stuff, building, changing. Um, so I've been in the industry for the past 20 years as an entrepreneur. I started my first startup around 20 years ago, a startup called My Single Point. Uh, which came in after a career of mergers and acquisitions and all sorts of high-level consulting with all sorts of CEOs, which sounds like a, a need, which is a disconnect between the IT and the business. So that rang a bell and it hunted me for, for a decade until I said, listen, this is a problem that needs to be solved. And I started my first startup as a bootstrap, meaning practically took a presentation, a deck, went to one of, one of my customers and said, this is the problem, this is how I'm going to solve it. And then he gave me a check for $250,000 and said, go for it. And I was quite stuck because I had the presentation. I didn't have a line of code. I didn't have partners. I didn't have anything. So this is how my single point was started. 
so this kind of um, um, enthusiasm that you have when you're young, when you're very convicted around uh, kind of a, an idea that you have, uh, a pain that you want to solve, uh, this is the theme that I had in the in the past uh, 20 years. Uh, I'm happily married. Just yesterday, so we celebrated our 25th uh, anniversary. Three beautiful kids, one of which uh, I stole his room. As you can see, surfer, guitar, all sorts of uh, neat, cool stuff that, that this one does. And in the past uh, five years, I did something a bit different, which is not only starting my own startups, but more towards joining existing startups, mainly post round A, post round B, and being a hands-on executive that would help both the CEO and the team to actually move the needle. Very practical, very business, very um, outlook uh, or outbound uh, oriented in regards to how do you make sure that the business is, is tuned, that the value proposition and the product are aligned, and make sure that things actually um, manifest themselves in top lines. Uh, so this is a fascinating experience. I've worked with amazing Israeli startups, met incredible people, and uh, learned quite a bit uh, for my next startup, which is now uh, in stealth mode. Oh, wow. Okay, so startup realm. Yes, you've been working with a lot of startups. So I want to know, a lot of startups fail. There, uh, there are a lot of challenges and sometimes right off the bat. What are your two cents? From your experience, why do startups fail? It's a very, very good question. Uh, I think that this this question deserves a startup on its own, just to be, to put the AI model to try to predict that, right? <laughs> uh, I think that the main things are around people. It's mostly about the people, because whatever startup, whatever idea that you're going to have is going to meet a roller coaster, and that's cliche. You know, everybody knows that a startup is a roller coaster. But the point is, the holy grail is the product market fit in which a group of people comes in with an idea uh, or a problem they want to they handle or value that, that they want to generate, and they need to make it happen. Now, the things that mostly break are between the actual founders or the conviction around the, the idea, meaning the difficulties that you have, especially in the beginning, in order to make sure that you could build a product, build a solution, whatever you build, that could actually ring and, and make sure that both entrepreneurs and the investors would have the conviction that this is worth spending your time and money on. So I believe that the things that break startups are either failure to um, take the product to its next level, which is how do you make money out of it? How do you commercialize? How do you, how do you expand the use of that product service or whatever? And within the group, internally, the interactions, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of strain coming on, on entrepreneurs. Mostly there is a financial aspect in which there's not enough you know, salaries to go around and then internally within the family, there's friction. So there isn't a single kind of uh, where to put the finger, but I think it's about the people and it's about the product. And, and when those two uh, do, do not align in a, in a you know, call it considerable kind of uh, time that people could, could, could absorb, um, bad things happen uh, to the integrity of the, of the startup. Okay, wow. So it's really all about people. So the people who run the startup, the founders, I always hear that in the show, like it's like marriage. <laughs> you have to have a partner who is willing to put their skin in the game. Like if you work for, if you work for how many hours, is that true? Like, okay, example, you have a co-founder, the amount of, the amount of time he works, you need to also work like that or how, how does it work? I don't think it's measured 
based upon the amount of time that you spend or how much money you put in or how much risk you take. Because I saw pairs of entrepreneurs in which one was after an exit and had very luxurious kind of life and, and his risk was very low in regards to you know, not being paid, spending more time on the startup. I think that, that the interaction needs to be about the value that each side brings to the table. And I think that the most successful teams I saw are teams in which the uh, handshake between the two is, is really good. You see somebody that is, that is business-oriented this is this guy is more technical oriented there's a lot of mutual respect uh, to one uh, one and, and others kind of work and achievement and this holds water uh, I don't think that it's about scrutiny of yeah you know I'm working uh, 20 hours a day but this one this guy just put, puts uh, 10 hours a day but he cuts it meaning he provides whatever he needs in order to promote the the startup and the business to the next uh, phase. It's all about yield, right? And it's all about the human interaction and the contribution. I saw amazing stuff happening between even more kind of uh, hands-on uh, startup uh, entrepreneurs and the ones that are more business-oriented, more experienced. Everybody's on their roller, roller decks, so it's very um, very easy to, uh, to achieve what you need in order to, to grow at the beginning. Mm, I love that. Like, it's like a handshake. You fill what the other finger cannot fill. So, and like the business side and then the technical side. Mm. Okay. So you also mentioned that, um, yes, you commercialize. And actually, I saw that you're the business chief business officer, right? At, right now at Utopia. So... Yeah, say hello to the team. And could you like shortly, briefly talk to us about what you do there? So Autopia is an amazing company. It actually closes the gap that autonomous vehicles has today. As you know, there's a lot of turmoil in autonomy uh, today. There's uh, companies that are closing a financial market that is not not easy. Uh, but still, the human intervention that Autopia brings to the table is just closing that gap. Meaning, how can a remote human sitting in a center actually close any kind of, uh, I call it, um, technical or, or experience-related gap that the technology that is related with autonomy brings to the table. The point is that when we put our kid into a vehicle, we, will, we would expect to have 100% availability and safety of whatever vehicle, right? So in essence, technology today doesn't cut it. And it doesn't matter if it's about the technology or the regulations or the infrastructure that we have established, it doesn't happen. Uh, so what Autopia does and does it very well is the ability for that remote human to actually collaborate with something which is called AI, autonomy, and do that at mass, at scale. So amazing technology, uh, you know, that's the kind of uh, startup that once it's uh, it's successful, you would expect you to put your kid in the car only if you see, you know, driven by Autopia or any other kind of uh, solution out there for, for human intervention. So amazing team, amazing technology. Uh, I've been around there for a year and a half. Uh, and I really, you know, keep my fingers crossed that uh, they would uh, cross it to the next uh, phase. Uh, I am a true believer. Oh, I love that. Amazing team and amazing technology. I remember Tal Katran, if you know him, like he said, for startups, you just need, uh, yes, team, innovation, and technology. And you're good to go. Not the business model or anything, but yes, those three. So what is your impact? I mean, at Utopia, what do you help them do? I think that besides Utopia, I think my giveaway towards the crowd is for the young entrepreneurs. Meaning, especially in Israel, you see a lot of innovation coming from the military. There's very smart people coming in with ideas uh, that had that have been trialed and, and tested uh, on the uh, army kind of uh, use cases, but they know how to take it to the to the day to day kind of challenges, and this is amazing. But both those guys are coming in with very little experience in what it means in building a company from scratch, and as we said. 
there's uh, you know ample kind of challenges in, in building it so I think that the kind of five pillars that I would suggest in regards to making it happen is first of all focus when one of the things one of the characteristics of a startup is it's very limited in regards to its resources it doesn't matter if it's money or R&D resources or time or whatever the I think that the main challenge is how to maintain the focus in regards to who we are what do we do as a startup and most importantly what do we bring in the product that would actually provide that value the, that initial value that we need the this miraculous minimal value MVP minimal value value proposition and and providing that MVP is not an easy walk in the park and and comes back to the product market fit that we discussed focus is the main giveaway that I would uh, suggest um, the company to bring in and it's very aligned with setting up the strategy when you have a very good understanding of what you do you could articulate what you don't do what does the product do, do not do and this is a challenge especially when you're young especially when you have opportunities that are scattered you know you have a, a kind of, a, of an opportunity with with a, a name organization and then it's, it looks like a smashy kind of brand and then they want something is it the right decision? Is it the right product decision to bring this forward? Do I need to put my very limited resources, R&D resources or whatever resources to handle this requirement? Would it be in the best effort of the entire addressable market that, I, that I'm uh, trying to, uh, to win? So those kind of challenges, those kind of questions are the ones that dictate the kind of success or failure and are very, very prone to, um, I'll call it, uh, without the experience, you are very prone to put in, pull in the uh, younger entrepreneurs into something which is a roller coaster. So coming in with a notion of where do we want to be? What do we want in regards to our end game, even in regards to, to this kind of, uh, as you said, marriage uh, is crucial. So those are, you know, focus is uh, very uh, important the way I see it. Defining the strategy uh, is equally important in regards to what are our target, what is our target market? Who are the personas that we're selling uh, to? And as a derivative of that is building the budget. One of the things that I see, uh, and if we come back to your initial question, why sometimes things fall apart, it's the way we manage our plans. Now there's a lot of kind of uh, perception that a budget plan or an annual plan is something that only the corporates have. Well, that's a, a very, very bad mistake to have. Uh, and I see that because there isn't, there isn't a structured kind of uh, way of articulating your strategy, articulating who you want to be, and then w which kind of investment, FTEs, budgets, or whatever you need to put in in order to drive this strategy forward, things get lost. And then you find yourself at the end of the year without meeting your goals, without meeting the key performance indicators that you need to set as part of this planning. And not only that, without cash. So having no breath of air starts again a cycle, a vicious cycle of being desperate to get funds, getting wrong investors uh, into the company, getting very bad atmosphere of uh, uncertainty within the startup. So coming back to the question, if you do it correctly and if you do it in a way which is a bit more leisured and a bit more thinking ahead uh, of your investment, that is a good policy to make sure that you get, you don't get into this uh, kind of uh, split up uh, and, and uh, innovation going, uh, going bad. Wait, I have a question about uh, building the budget because I, I remember Guy Goldman, so they're like raising funds but one of his questions is you know you have a budget and then you set up a goal like okay for this this is gonna be the expenses and then the next day your your team is gonna say okay i need a new mouse i need a new laptop i need this i need that and then you end up going over the budget and like how do you maintain the risks and how do you do that yeah do you have any tips i think that the resolution that we're, that we're speaking of is higher 
meaning the mouse or the number of laptop. That's the kind of um, investments that are less important in regards to uh, how we manage and the resolution that we manage things, uh, the plan versus actual. Uh, I think that the most important aspect of building the budget and aligning it with strategy is based on, let's take an example. If let's take a company that is in the automotive space or in the OTA, online travel domain, and you've built a strategy, which is, Let's take the OTA example. It's fun because uh, I love to travel. And then you think about what is the go-to-market strategy do I, that I have. Am I going B2C, business to consumer, or am I going B2B2C? Meaning, would I need to put in the extreme investment in marketing in order to do that? Or should I bank on my B kind of a partner in order to take care of that and take me to market? Why? Because the B, the other B within the, the uh, equation has something to gain from working with me as a startup. Now, let's take a let's take a dive into the budget in those in that example. If I'm becoming a B2C organization, the one concern that I have is how do I get major funds uh, vested into my startup because I need to get to the consumer. And as you know, the OTA, the online travel is is dominated by two giants. It's a, it's a duopol. And the amount of investment that those two players, I'm talking about booking and Expedia in this domain, is tremendous. I'm talking booking alone just invested 4 mil, 4 billion dollars into marketing. You cannot compete with that. So the budget needs to be aligned in regards to, okay, if we have a strategy, which is we understand that the B2C directly will not work. We need to find a way to solve it and we're going to go through the online travel agencies or whatever other B that I'm going through, you need to plan ahead. Now, how do I get to them? Is it going to be a salesperson or is it going to be a business development person? Hmm, interesting. Because sales has, you know, specific capabilities, which is close the deal with somebody. But business development has a different angle. What would be the cost for the business development guy versus the sales guy? What would be the compensation model for each one of these? Where should I position this business development person? Would it be, you know, near me or would it be in the in the market that I want to grow into. All sorts of questions that denote different budgets, different aspects, different operational model. And by putting your mind ahead of the curve, you find out that, that there's so much focus generated. For example, if I'm not searching for a salesperson and I'm searching for a business development person, and I know that I'm targeting, I don't know, credit card companies, then I would look for those people that have the experience of working with those corporate. The other alternative is that you're starting to spend time speaking with people, understanding that this is the wrong turn, time is money, and then you find out and you try even to, to recruit somebody, but you see that he's not a good fit. So making those decisions, building the plan according to your strategy, building your plan according to your understanding of what is needed in order to make it to the next step, that is my suggestion uh, before even putting the first line of code or during uh, the investment that you're doing. One of the things that I heard from Uri is exactly that kind of product angle of how do you maintain, how does the product as a pivot maintain that kind of, uh, of um, compact for the corporate to reach its goals and still maintain its alignment with the strategy. First is focus, right? Number two is build a budget. Did I get that right? Indeed, <laughs> the budget, the plans, the risk management, everything that is associated the with plan. that. Uh, and, and there's a lot of assumptions but putting those assumptions in writing, understanding those and, and making sure that your entire team, both your leadership team, team and your employees understand those assumptions would help the organization collaborate and communicate any kind of change from those assumptions. So this is the best kind of lever to make sure that you build the right team, you build a team that 
that collaborates and understands how to meet the success, where to put its efforts, how to prioritize. Um, going to the next uh, bullet, that would be culture. I don't know how many young entrepreneurs put their minds into how do I put in the culture in a, as, a, as a meaningful way. First of all, I would recommend putting in only the people that have the can-do approach. A startup, as you said, is a very, very, uh, I'll call it um, nasty, could be could get nasty, especially in the beginning <laughs> uh, in regards to coping with, with the uh, uh, risks and things that, that, that are unknown. So when you come in with the approach, which is whatever comes in, we could do it. We understand the, the, the challenge, we put in a plan, we put our best efforts and we'll nail it. That's very important for the culture of any uh, successful startup. Things, the, the other thing is thinking about scale. I think that one of the... Um, you know, areas that I would put in as, as a try not to not, not to be there in regards to uh, failing is thinking small and, and thinking only about the next step. Sometimes you have to compromise because you have very limited uh, resources and you're coming in and you want to you have a, an amazing kind of uh, uh, pitch that you have and you want to build a mock-up and you want to put your resource, your R&D resource in putting that mock-up and then you get approval for that concept and the customer loves it and then you need to take it to market. But then again, should I build it properly or should I go like, eh, cut the corners and build something that, that would... The prices that you pay when you get from the kind of a product market fit and when you understand that you have customer and then the number of customers start, starts, you know, bursting up and then you find yourself unable to scale, that is another danger that lurks behind the success of the, the initial year. So putting that in mind, putting that in the back corner of every employee, every executive within your, your organization, yeah, if we need to cut corners, let's be aware of that risk, but let's mind the gap that we need to close in order to allow scale the day after. So that's uh, something that I believe should be part uh, of the culture of uh, every successful startup. Uh, the other thing is consistency, because life is such that you come in with strategy and plans and you think you know what you're going into, and then you have one conversation with a very big brand with an exec within that organization, he comes in and say, rubbish, you're doing it wrong. And then you see the executives coming in and they're all like, well, I said it's not wrong, it's not correct, based on a single measurement, a single feedback that they got. And then they break everything. And then they start going there and then they hear, they hear another feedback. Consistency is the kind of leisure that you have without dropping your agility, but being consistent and trying to think about the strategy that we, decide, we defined at the beginning, the goals that we want to achieve, the derivatives that we have in regards to the constraints, if you put it in mind, if you put it part of the, of the culture, then very nice things happen. Um, I think that the last aspect in regards to culture would be open, an open mind. Meaning contrary to what, what I just said in regards to the necessity of being consistent in regards to the decisions that you're making and, and your kind of a, a vision of where you need to drive the company, you need to keep an open mind because things change. Uh, and I think that, you know, speaking with all of the entrepreneurs, that there's a lot of changes and a lot of pivots coming in across the life cycle of a company, and, which is okay. Mostly turn out to be very successful. But again, it needs to resonate with the other principles. So it's always about keeping the kind of a, the right balance uh, within the company. I think that um, the ability to, to converse with leadership and leadership with the employees across the same language that is a derivative of what you want to be, where you want to achieve, uh, and your resources to obtain those is very, very healthy uh, to building the company. Uh, which comes to the, to the uh, fifth uh, bullet, which is setting the right expectations. Now, I think that this is another uh, touch point that I saw companies just demolished because of very poor ability to set expectations 
within the organization and with the investors. Another thing that, that would help every uh, entrepreneur is to try to think about what he, she wants as an end game. Sometimes, you know, I come in and the first question I ask um, my partner for this process of, of moving the needle would be, what would you like to achieve you as an entrepreneur, as number one, as the decision maker? Would you like to sell the company in two years and be very rich? Or would you want to build a company that is built less? And this is sometimes I, I see the people just reacting that I'm getting them off guard. I think that this is a very important kind of uh, level of maturity that every entrepreneur needs to have with himself or herself, of course, in regards to where would we, where would I like to be? And setting that expectations with yourself helps you build the same set of expectations with your board, with your leadership, with your employees. Setting the right expectations generates a lot of trust. And you see that trust coming to life, building a company that is like, uh, you know, an arrow. So just to sum up uh, those five principles, focus. I think that focus is, is first, who am I as a company? What, what am I generating? Am I generating a service, a solution, a platform? There's such a variance in regards to how you build it. Uh, in, in adjusting to that, uh, you, you need to build your, your own strategy, the company's strategy, uh, and make sure that you're aware of the market of the competition and, and make sure that everybody speaks the same language of how do we meet those goals? How do we get there? What are our goals? What are my goals? What, what, what are my kind of uh, roles and accountabilities? Uh, and coming to that plan, when we spoke about the budget, budget doesn't necessarily mean only the budget. Budget necessarily means that you have, you have a complete understanding of your resources and your goals. Um, one of the key areas within the budget and the annual plan is your organizational structure, just as an example. So many startups that are coming in to say, can you kindly show me the organizational chart? Who do you have? What is his role or her role, of course? And what are, how, how is she or he measured? And I go like, oh yeah, I have a spreadsheet from the investment uh, kind of uh, deck that I've done. I think that we're missing out because yeah, I know that we're agile and the uh, system admin, the uh, company admin is also the secretary and also making sure that the HR is uh, happening correctly and so on. But setting that expectations, putting that uh, as part of the organizational structure is very, very important. Uh, and then we have culture and setting the expectations. Now, I believe that those five fundamentals are um, a good kind of a start in order to make sure that you uh, maximize the chances of success. Focus, strategy, budget, culture, and expectation. I love especially the last one. I remember Ronan, Manipaz. So like, okay, you decide where you want to be. Do you want to do an exit or do you want to build a company that lasts? If I personally ask you like, so the startup you're building, what are you recommending? Is it like, okay, sell it after how many years or build something that lasts? Again, it's a, it's a derivative of your expectations. Meaning, are you doing that to change the world? Are you doing that to change your financial situation? Or are you doing that just because you're nuts and you want to evade uh, not being at home? So there's you know, so many parameters that would denote what's going on. Just let's, let's have a look at what's going on in the market. You could have the best strategy and the best team, but let's take the automotive uh, example. Autonomy is something that will not grow without complete transformation of regulations, infrastructure in regards to communication, and huge amount of investment done by the OEMs, those organizations that are building companies, building their cars. 
And of course, it has to be powered by demand. So the question is, first of all, today, are you and I ready to put our kids or ourselves in, a, in an autonomous vehicle? Yes, no, I don't know. Where does the demand, demand lie? And you see that a year ago, last mile delivery was so hot because COVID was still devastating the kind of uh, ability to go around. And food was very hard to be, you know, wasn't, it was a challenge. You couldn't find enough people at rush hours to get the food back via, you know, uh, whatever kind of company and, and get it to, to the consumer. So it was, there was so much money spent on building last mile delivery. It was the hottest area, hottest topic. Today it's dead. Why is it dead? Because there's no solid yet bill of material that would allow this entire um, industry to become profitable. And the state of mind today, if it's not profitable and you don't have a way of showing profitability within a uh, foreseeable future, we're not gonna put in any additional funding. I think within a quarter, you see so much change, so many, so many companies trying to rethink uh, and reposition what they're doing. So how can you plan for that? You need to react. You need to be quick. You need to understand which kind of capabilities I have. Can I make the adjustment? So there's a lot of uh, ways going forward. But again, decision uh, making, understanding what you want, understanding how quickly you could move uh, in order to align the company and its resources towards transforming, changing or overlapping this uh, kind of a very tough period. Amazing. I mean, there's really a lot of things to consider. And yeah, how can you plan for that? How, yeah, it really needs a lot of thinking every day. You, ha you have to make a lot of decisions every day, hard decisions every day. Okay, so is there anything more that I forgot to ask you that you want to leave our viewers or listeners? I think that uh, I love entrepreneurs and I don't envy the CEO because the CEO role is the loneliest role uh, I can think of. Because even if you have amazing partners, at the end of the day, your decisions are lurking on your shoulders and you're going to bed with those decisions. Um, so there's a lot of pressure going out there. And I really, really, um, you know, appreciate those people that would take in that risk, take in that kind of uncertainty of building a startup and taking it forward. And my giveaway is don't stop. I think that we're the drivers of a better world. Our conviction, our willingness to change is something that drives um, a better uh, and more successful humanity. And uh, that's my giveaway. Never give up. Okay, well, they say if you, well, if you don't succeed at the onset, you learn and then you succeed. Well, it's just win-win, whatever happens. So if they want to connect with you, ask you, consult, you know, business development, um, go to market, everything, how can they quickly connect with you? Um, so the best way is to just send me a quick, Shout out through uh, my email. Those of you who are listening, it's Inon, which is Y-N-O-N, at startup minus startup realm, which is R-E-A-L-M.com. So again, Inon at startup realm.com. And there, between startup and realm, there is a, a, a dash. dash. I would love to assist. I would love to help. There's a lot of companies that without any kind of uh, commercial uh, affiliation, I'm happy to help, happy to bring in my approach. Um, and hope uh, this the startup community will con continue to flourish. Thank you very much. So appreciate your time, Inan, and all the best to Startup Realm. Thank you so much. This podcast is powered by IMOPS.io. Optimize your cloud infrastructure and CICD process with IMOPS.io dedicated DevOps team. Check out www.imops.io and get a DevOps team. 
make sure to check out www.imops.io if you want to know more about us. Subscribe to our podcast so you can get notified every time we post a new video. Thank you and you have a great day.